Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Thursday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I am your host, literally Heather. Okay, so originally I was going to use the morning show today to discuss the absolutely atrocious national security strategy that was released yesterday. I, however, want to give it the time and attention it deserves, which means I'm going to have to do some research and work that I did not have time to do last night due to uh, book club. Just know that it was released and it's hot garbage, so (laughs) I'll be working on that this weekend. Now on to what you may have missed. Pennsylvania's top-ranking state elections official said Tuesday, a new U.S. Supreme Court decision regarding how rules for the state's mail-in ballots had been applied in a county judge election doesn't change her agency's guidance about counting them. Acting Secretary of State Lee M. Chapman said county election officials should count mail-in votes that arrive in exterior envelopes with inaccurate or non-existent handwritten dates, despite a requirement in state law. So she's telling county election officials to violate state law in spite of a U.S. Supreme Court decision. So I just want to make it really clear as I go through this because it's a lot of legal jargon. The Secretary of State is advising county election officials to violate state law in spite of the U.S. Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court earlier Tuesday had declared as moot a decision in May by the Third U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals that had said mail-in ballots without a required date on the return envelope had to be counted in a 2021 Pennsylvania judge race. Chapman issued a statement saying that the high court decision did not affect a separate previous ruling by state Commonwealth Court in favor of counting ballots with properly dated exterior envelopes. The new decision, Chapman said, provides no justification for counties to exclude ballots based on a minor omission. And we expect that counties will continue to comply with their obligation to count all legal votes. Well, it's not legal if the paperwork isn't filled out properly. Chapman works in the administration of Governor Tom Wolf, and this is the stuff that pissed me off in the 2020 election. The Third Circuit had said the state election law's requirement of a date next to the voter's signature on the outside of the return envelope was immaterial. That lower court had said it found no reason to refuse counting the ballots that were set aside in the November 2nd, 2021 election for Common Pleas Judge in Lehigh County. If you want the ballots to count without the proper documentation like the date, which is Pretty darn important if considering there are deadlines for things like elections. Then you go through the proper process within your state legislature to change the election law. You don't just unilaterally say, okay, guys, I know this is the law, but we're just going to ignore that and count these anyway. I couldn't go into the post office and apply for a passport and not give them my social security number. It's, it's immaterial. You don't need that information. Just give me a passport. 
It doesn't work that way. (sighs) Those votes were enough to propel the Democrat Zach Cohen to victory in the race. He has since been sworn in, and the new U.S. Supreme Court decision is not expected to reverse the results of Cohen's election contest. In the latest decision, the justices ruled 7-2 that the Third Circuit must dismiss the case as moot. Uh, Joshua Voss, who is a lawyer who represents the losing judicial candidate in the race, um, said in a phone call he believes that the effect of the new high court ruling is that the state law goes back to where it had been until it's changed. (laughs) Like, that's what it is. The Department of State certainly should update their guidance. But at the end of the day, elections are administered by counties, and counties will need to assess what the state of the law was. Uh, Pennsylvania allowed only limited use of absentee mail-in ballots until 2019, when a state law okayed them for voters who did not qualify from a list of acceptable excuses. A lawsuit by Republican lawmakers challenging the mail-in voting law is pending in state court. While in August, the state Supreme Court upheld the law against a separate challenge. More than 2.5 million Pennsylvanians voted by mail during 2020's presidential election, most of them Democrats, out of 6.9 million total votes. Chapman said Tuesday that more than 1.1 million absentee and mail-in ballots have been requested for the fall general election. The top defense official in Taiwan said Wednesday that firing on encroaching Chinese aircraft or vessels would likely spark a wider conflict across the Taiwan Strait that could spiral out of control. Taiwan's defense minister, Chiu Ko Cheng, said his forces would be compelled to respond militarily if a hostile aircraft or vessel crossed the 12 nautical mile threshold of territorial airspace or sea, including on Taipei-controlled islets off of China's eastern coastline. We will give warnings and lock on as it approaches. Locking on is also a form of warning. If it ignores these warnings and continues its approach, then we will act in self-defense, said Chu. Referring to hostile aircraft or vessels, the intentions of approaching aircraft would be clarified. Otherwise, the assumption is that the intruding aircraft means to do harm. Chu made the remarks at the Foreign and National Defense Committee of Taiwan's legislature, where he told lawmakers a day earlier that he had redefined what Taipei would consider a first strike event, widening the scope from a missile or artillery attack to include an airspace incursion by a Chinese military unmanned aerial vehicle. If there were a first strike, Taiwan would have to prepare for more, Chu told opposition legislator Johnny Chang. Asked whether a counterattack by Taiwan's defenders could start a war, he replied, yes, it would be a very serious situation. That's why we emphasize the need to be cautious and why we were restraining ourselves not to fire rashly a while ago. There's a reason for that. Beijing claims Taiwan as its own, but has no practical control over the island. Taipei and the Taiwanese public have little interest in a political union with China, which refuses to rule out the use of force to achieve unification. Come here, I just want to give you a hug. The Chinese military drills in August, a stated response to Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taipei, 
brought the People's Liberation Army warships and fighter aircraft closer to Taiwan proper than at any time in recent decades. However, they did not enter Taiwanese territorial waters or airspace, Taiwan's defense ministry said at the time. The drills appeared to be a show of force, Beijing seeking to signal resolve to Taiwan, the United States, and others. But China also has no intention of embroiling its military in a major crisis in the lead-up to the Chinese Communist Party all-important 20th National Congress, where Xi Jinping is expected to extend his rule as general secretary for another five years. It's interesting that Joe Biden recently came out and said, we'll go to war for Taiwan, and now they're flirting with floating out the potential for retaliatory action. Oh, we have the U.S. backing? Well, we're pretty tired of China's shit. Just letting you know we might start some stuff over here. NATO will push ahead with long-planned nuclear exercises next week, despite rising tensions over the war in Ukraine and Putin's insistence that he is not bluffing at all about using all available means to defend Russian territory. The exercise dubbed Steadfast Noon is held annually, usually runs for about a week. It involves fighter jets capable of carrying nuclear warheads, but does not involve any live bombs. Conventional jets and surveillance and refueling aircraft also routinely take part. 14 of the 30 NATO member countries will be involved in the exercise, which was planned before Russia invaded Ukraine in February. The main part of the maneuvers would be held more than 1,000 kilometers from Russia. It would send a very wrong signal if we suddenly now canceled a routine, long-time planned exercise because of the war in Ukraine. That would be absolutely the wrong signal to send, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said on Tuesday. Uh, Yeah, peace and calm is always the wrong signal to send when you're wanting to start World War III. Better not do that. Go ahead, have your exercises, maybe even get closer than a thousand kilometers. That would be smart. NATO's firm, predictable behavior, our military strength, is the best way to prevent escalation. If we now created the grounds for any misunderstandings, miscalculations in Moscow about our willingness to protect and defend our allies, we would increase the risk of escalation. (laughs) With the Russian army retreating under the blows of Ukrainian forces armed with Western weapons, Putin raised the stakes by annexing four Ukrainian regions and declaring a partial mobilization of up to 300,000 reservists to buttress the crumbling front line. As his war plans have gone awry, Putin has repeatedly signaled that he could report to resort to nuclear weapons to protect the Russian gains. The threat is also aimed at deterring NATO nations from sending more sophisticated weapons to Ukraine. NATO, as an organization, does not possess any weapons. The nuclear weapons nominally linked to NATO remain under the firm control of three member countries, the United States, the United Kingdom, and France. The alliance's secretive nuclear planning group will meet on Thursday among defense ministers. Stoltenberg described Putin's spiraling nuclear rhetoric as dangerous and reckless, and underlined that the allies have also conveyed clearly to Russia that it will have severe consequences if they use nuclear weapons. We are closely monitoring Russia's nuclear forces, Stoltenberg said. We have not seen any changes in Russia's posture, but we remain vigilant. 
Yeah. Because Belgorod being launched and floating around the Arctic doesn't indicate a change in posture at all. Oil and gas giant ExxonMobil illegally fired two workers that it suspected of leaking information to the Wall Street Journal. The U.S. Department of Labor had said the company has been ordered to reinstate the employees and pay them $800,000 in back wages and damages. It was reported in September of 2020 that some current and former employees thought that Exxon's huge growth plans related to its investments in the Texas Permian Basin, which were included in SEC filings made by the company, were unrealistic. The sources also told the publication that there had been disagreements over the present value of the oil and gas in a part of the basin known as the Delaware, based on differing beliefs on how fast Exxon could drill. The claims made about drilling rates are demonstrably false, an Exxon spokesperson told Insider on Wednesday. The speed the employees claimed was impossible was not only possible, but we achieved that speed three years ahead of the plan they questioned. It turns out the employees were not qualified enough to offer an opinion, let alone make a credible complaint. A federal whistleblower investigation by the department's occupational, so OSHA, found that the company had fired two computational scientists who raised concern in late 2020 about the company's use of assumptions. Exxon said that it terminated one of the scientists for mishandling proprietary company information and the second for having a negative attitude, job hunting, and losing the confidence of company management. But one of the scientists who had been fired was a relative of a source quoted by the journal article and had access to the leaked information, OSHA said. The agency said its investigation determined that the scientist's communications with the journal were protected by whistleblower laws. OSHA said that neither of the fired scientists were revealed as sources for the article. The company rejects all claims made by the former employees and will defend itself accordingly. They added that the terminations were unrelated to the concerns the employees had raised and that the company would appeal the Department of Labor's findings. I thought that this was an interesting situation because they actually accomplished what was said they couldn't accomplish. Those employees were fired. It's my understanding that Texas is an at-will state. I don't know if this takes place somewhere else, though. Alex Jones must pay at least $965 million in damages to numerous families of the victims of Sandy Hook's mass shootings for falsely claiming that they were actors who faked the tragedy, a Connecticut jury said on Wednesday. The verdict, which came after three weeks of testimony in a state court in Waterbury, Connecticut, far outstripped the $49 million that Jones was ordered to pay in August by a Texas jury in a similar case brought by two other Sandy Hook parents. The Connecticut verdict applies to both Jones and his company, Free Speech Systems, LLC, the owner of Jones's InfoWars website. FSS filed for bankruptcy in July. The plaintiffs in the Connecticut case included more than a dozen relatives of 20 children and six staff members who were gunned down at Sandy Hook Elementary School in December of 2012. Jones claimed for years that the massacre was staged as a part of a government plot to take away America's guns. Jurors said the plaintiffs should also be awarded 
attorney's fees, which are set to be determined in November. During a live broadcast as the verdict was read, Jones vowed to appeal and said his company's ongoing bankruptcy will protect InfoWars in the meantime. We're fighting Goliath, he said. Jones's lawyer did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Christopher Matai, or Matei, I'm not sure how you say his last name, a lawyer for the families, said outside of the courthouse that the verdict was, quote, against Alex Jones, his lies, and their poisonous spread, and a verdict for truth and for our common humanity. Families suffered a decade-long campaign of harassment and death threats by Jones's followers, Matai said. This is a very important distinction, and I think one that should not be dismissed easily. The harassment and death threats did not come from Jones himself, but his followers. He is being held legally responsible for actions that others took based on his speech. Will we see people like Rachel Maydow, Tucker Carlson, Don Lemon, Don Lemon, however you say his last name, the owners of the National Enquirer, to be held to this same standard? They tell lies every single day and radicalize people. I do not think that what Jones did is moral or ethical, but in the legal definition, he has the right to free speech. And to see him being charged for crimes committed by other people seems a bridge too far. If someone made a death threat against one of these families, were these individuals charged for that crime? This, in my opinion, sets a very dangerous precedent. President Joe Biden was asked this week about potentially meeting with Vladimir Putin to discuss, not the war in Ukraine, but Brittany Griner's release. His response to that question was telling. Not with Putin, Biden said when asked if there's any movement on this front. Obviously, this is not what Griner wants to hear. She's been in Russia since February due to a drug-related incident. I love how they change the language to make trafficking illegal drugs into a foreign country sound prettier. White House Press Secretary Karen or Karine Jean, Jean-Pierre, whatever her name is, said the United States sent a serious proposal to Russia back in July. Apparently, Russia didn't respond to that offer. We want Russia to take this offer that we have put on the table, a substantial offer, as you've heard us say many times, seriously. Or they can make a serious counteroffer, but they need to make a serious counteroffer. <laughs> I love the righteous indignation coming from Jean-Pierre. You're sending billions of dollars of weapons to Ukraine with no intention of peace so that you can continue to launder taxpayer money through a sham proxy war and you want him to release an individual who broke the law by trafficking drugs into his country. I I don't see that happening. (laughs) Y'all need to jump on that realistic board. That is your Thursday edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I appreciate you guys waiting on me to get home this afternoon to get this out to you. Uh, Tomorrow I will do better, I promise. You guys take care and have a great Thursday. 
If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.